Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 65th episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. I'm excited to chat with Sean Peterson, Director of Ticket Operations and Sales with the Inland Empire 66ers, low A affiliate of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn, as always. Make sure to go back and listen through the catalog, folks. Can't really stress this enough. There's 64 other great episodes with amazing people that work in minor league baseball with so many different backgrounds and skills and stories. All right, and this week it's time to shout out the top cities that people are listening to the podcast in. So within the last seven days of recording, the top cities were... Vacaville, California, I think I'm saying that right, New York, New York, East Brunswick, New Jersey, Indianapolis, Indiana, Bloomfield, New Jersey, Cleveland, Ohio, Zelianople, Pennsylvania, Olympia, Washington, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and New Berlin, Wisconsin. Shout out to those cities, the top cities that have been listening to the Pulling Tart podcast this past week. If you want an individual shout out, folks, make sure to drop a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts. Even if you listen on Spotify or one of those other platforms, please take a moment, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review. It helps bring up the charts and helps make others into members of the TARP crew. Also, make sure to follow me on Twitter at It's R.A. Kuhn. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N for all up-to-date news about the Pulling TARP podcast, uh, such as upcoming guests, uh, questions that you should ask them, um, and when new episodes drop, of course. With that being said... Let's chat with Sean Peterson from the Inland Empire 66ers. Sean, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your afternoon. You're out there on the West Coast. We haven't done a ton of West Coast interviews, um, but so this is you know three o'clock in the afternoon, your time. You're still manning the ticket window right now, um, so we got to pause if if somebody comes and buys a ticket. But um, congratulations on. Uh, completing the first homestand of 2021. Yeah, thank you. It's been uh, been a rough couple of days, but <laughs> we got through it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were kind of telling me some some things beforehand that I don't know if you want to share on 
online here, but um, yeah, it did sound like some craziness going on, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, basically the, the gist of it is, you know, Friday night, 15 minutes before first pitch, we, you know, we have just about a sellout crowd, probably 70% of the crowd is here. We get a call from Major League Baseball that the first round of testing comes in, and we got to postpone our game. Um, basically somebody tested positive on our side um, and they also pulled six or seven other players due to uh, contact tracing um, with all their COVID protocols so we unfortunately had to postpone Friday we did receive a bus with about eight players from Arizona on Saturday so we did play the rest of the weekend goodness gracious man well we were talking a little bit um you know before we started recording here and uh you're a pa guy i'm a pa guy um i also want i also like to bring this up pennsylvania is the only state that we refer to it as the abbreviation like right i mean you don't call california ca like you know so um what's it like being a east coast pa guy out there in cali you know it's I enjoy it. I mean, I've been here for for eight years now. Okay. Um, I've orig- I was originally born in New York, actually. Um, moved to Pennsylvania when I was about twelve, so I kind of lived half my childhood in New York, and then more of my teenage, you know, young adult life in in PA. Um, you know, definitely where I was in PA. Uh, you know, I'm not too familiar with uh, you know where Williamsport. Uh, but definitely where I lived, it was the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So that's the biggest change for me. I mean, the, the town of Hawley, Pennsylvania, when I was there, had an Arby's. And that was it. Okay. Uh, you know, other than that, a bunch of dive bars, different things like that. Um, so that's the biggest difference. I mean, out here, we have everything. So, right. You know, How close are you to uh, L.A.? Uh, we're about... Um, Depending on traffic, but um, I would say like, you know, a good 60 miles or so. Okay. Um, So hour, hour and a half to three hours, depending on traffic. Okay. Yeah, I I spent a summer living in North Hollywood and and, uh, working in Burbank when I I was an intern for sports science on ESPN. Okay. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so... It is a completely different world because, I mean, Williamsport's pretty much the no- middle of nowhere, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it was just a completely different world out there. I mean, things move at a different pace than they do on the East Coast. Um, it was wild because, like, I was there during the NBA Finals, and, like, games were coming on at, like, 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon while I was still yeah. at work. Um, so, yeah, it was just kind of, like... You know, people dress differently out there. You know, it's just kind of right. there's a whole like yeah. other lingo out there too. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, but I'm glad to see that you've adjusted for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What made you want to move from the East Coast all the way to the West Coast? Um, I didn't say I, I wouldn't say that I ever just decided, hey, I want to move. You okay. Know? Right. Um, it was more about, you know, career choices. Um, I did a, I did an internship with the Bowie Bay Sox, you know, yeah. in the Eastern League. 
um, back in 2008. And then from, from finishing that up until 2013, um, I was basically just waiting tables and, you know, nothing against waiting tables or anybody who does that, but it wasn't for me, you know? Right. I mean, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, I made good money for it, but it just wasn't for me. So I just started applying anywhere I could, got another internship with the 66ers and here I am eight years later. So, awesome. um, so yeah, it wasn't like a conscious choice. Like I'm going to Cali, I'm getting as far away as possible. It was just kind of, they were the first ones who called. <laughs> okay. All right. I can, I can dig that for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm familiar with, with Bowie. I mean, I'm in Delaware right now. Yeah, um, okay. so, and I, and I did work for the Delmarva shorebirds for three years. Okay. So, yeah. um, I, I don't know if he was there, um, when you were there, the, um, the radio broadcaster, Adam Pohl. No, no, he was, he was probably in Frederick at that time then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he was a guest on this podcast, but he's with, been with Bowie for a while now. Um, okay. Yeah. No, when I was there, uh, we had just had a new broadcaster start. Uh, I want to say his name is Tom. Okay. Tom's listening. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. So what do you you think is the best time zone for sports? Is it, is it the East coast or is it the West coast? You know, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, I would say a little bit of both. And the reason I say that is because, you know, I mean, Super Bowl Sunday, I mean, comes on at three o'clock, you know, uh, you know, on Sundays in general, football comes on at 10, Yeah, you know, you wake up and football's coming on right now. Um, but being an East coast guy, I'm a fan of the, uh, the Phillies, mm-hmm. I'm a big Phillies fan. They start at four o'clock when I'm, when I'm still at work, you know, unless right. they're playing on the West coast. So, you know, it does get tough to watch your favorite team, especially if your favorite team is on the East coast. Right. Uh, you know, but then, but then when I'm off, it's like, there's baseball all day, you know, like on the weekends when they start games at like one on the, you know, East coast. Coast. It's like, you know, sports around all day. So I would say a little bit of both. Yeah. Uh, I think the perfect one would be uh, living in the Midwest. And I lived in Wisconsin and worked for the Beloit Snappers for four years. Um, and that was pretty cool because because then, like, you know, like Monday Night Football is getting over with at, at like, 10.30 instead of 11.30 or midnight. Right. So it was a little bit easier to handle. You can go to bed about an yeah. hour earlier, but... Um, but yeah, the, the West coast is, is nice, um, for, for some sports, but the Midwest, um, I think is, is King. That's, that's the only thing they're King with is is the time zone for sports. But, um, so is there any difference between working in baseball on the East coast and the West coast? As you said, you, you, uh, worked with the Bowie Bay Sox. Um, I wouldn't say it's a coast thing because, you know, people in other regions of the the West Coast are probably going to hate me for saying this, but um, as far as Southern California, we don't get any rain. Yeah. You know, um, my time with the Bowie Bay Sox, you know, I was an intern. It was my first 
experience in minor league baseball. I think our first homestand was seven games, and we pulled Tark seven times in the first six games. Oh. And I, eight years out here, I don't know if I've pulled Tark seven times yet. Really? It's 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 kind of a once a year type thing. Knock on wood, you know. That's um, crazy. It's kind of a, a once a year type thing out here. Okay. Wow, that is incredible. Yeah, man. So, do you think your experience as a server has helped you in your minor league baseball career? You know, I I, I think it did. Um, my time serving, I, I worked a lot of my time at a resort in northeastern Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, it was um, Woodlock Pines Resort. And, and, and it was a little different than, like, serving at, you know, say, like, Applebee's or, you know, like a steakhouse or something. Um, in the in the, the sense that you work long hours, just like you do in minor league baseball, mm-hmm. uh, because we were working, like, split shifts. I would work, like, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Okay. And with it being a resort, the, the clientele that were there, they were – they were my guests for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I had the same tables, and so I would see the same people. So, you know, it kind of helped me with, you know, relationship building with, you know, clients in, like, a work setting. Um, and essentially, that's what I do now. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in charge of the season ticket department, um, and that's a big part of my job is relationship building with the season ticket holders so that they, you know, I know, you know, they're – personalities you know and you know just making sure they're having a good time and just knowing you know who likes what you know where everybody likes to sit and everything so Mm -hmm. you know i I definitely think my time as a server did did help with that yeah i'm sure it did um just you know based on my experience in sales as well uh so i always like to ask my my ticket sales and sponsorship sales people that come on the podcast, what is the number one secret to sales, in your opinion? Um, I would say don't give up on a sale, you know? Um, I mean, you're calling somebody, they're kind of blowing you off, you know? Keep at it. I mean, I think there's, like, stats out there, like, you know, most sales take about seven or eight calls. I think that's, yep. you know... That's the stats, and, uh, you know, so keep at it. Don't get discouraged if you can't get through the first time. I mean, you know, we know we have a great product, so keep at it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good advice. Uh, So what is the best sale that you've ever made? Not necessarily the biggest, what Mm -hmm. you consider to be the best. So what I consider the best sale, I was... I was an intern, like I mentioned, mm-hmm. my first year, and um, my boss, who, who was in my position at the time, he just gave me a list to work off of to try to sell basically these bonus books, and what they were, it was it's basically like eight undated vouchers, good for any game, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to say they were like 50 bucks or whatever, and so I'm reaching out to these people, and I hit one. It was a gentleman who ran a pediatric office. Okay. And they were new. He did not buy one of those those voucher booklets. Instead, he bought eight full-season seats nice. and an 
an uh, in-game promo. Nice. So literally, my second or third week as an intern, here I am selling eight full-season seats and an in-game promo. So to me, that was always, you know, the most excited I ever got for a sale, you know. Yeah. It probably was one of my bigger sales, you know. Right. Um, but, yeah, that that's definitely my favorite and probably the best sale that I've, I've made. I mean, I didn't have much experience cold calling at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Wow. I got a hit. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So it's always a struggle – um, for people that work in minor league baseball to, you know, have significant others, have families, um, due to the long hours spent at the ballpark, right? So, which is one of the reasons why I got out. Um, but so, how do you juggle being a dad to a six-year-old and a newborn while working this crazy minor league baseball schedule? So we're still adjusting to the the fact that my wife is now outnumbered, mm. but <laughs> um, you know she she likes to joke once once the season happens. Um, she's a single mother. Yeah. Um, but no, you know, it, all joking aside, it is tough. Um, I felt like this past week I went like two or three days at a time without seeing my kids because you know, especially like my newborn, you know. When my wife has to work, she brings them to the um, to the babysitter, and then, you know, by the time I get home, she's asleep. Sometimes my son was awake a little bit. Yeah. There. Um, but yeah, I mean, I did kind of convince them to come to two games, so uh, okay. they were there for opening day and then Saturday. So I did get to see them a little bit then. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it, you know, it is tough, and you know, I just try to. The days that we don't have games, I just try to make sure my my attention is focused on them, and you know, right. Do it all the time. That's really all you can do. <laughs> yeah. Um, how are tickets and ticket plans changing this year for the Sixty Sixers? Um, so one of our biggest differences, um, obviously with capacity restrictions, is we you know we did have to raise our prices like I'm sure everybody else has mm-hmm. and for the first year we're actually doing a more um, I wouldn't say dynamic pricing because dynamic when I think dynamic I think it depends on the opponent and everything um, but but we're basing ours on like the day of the week so I guess it would be like kind of like premium games okay so we have different prices based on the day of the week and then even our ticket plans. It, you know, it kind of depends on what days of the week are included in your ticket plan that your price, you know, is essentially. Okay. Um, so, and, and, you know, it's a little tougher this year, too. You know, one thing that we like to sell in minor league baseball is, you know, we're smaller than major league baseball. You know, you have great access to, like, the team and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, this year we have no access to the team. Uh, you know, fans, even the front office, you know, we don't really have access to the team just because of the the major league baseball COVID protocols basically. Right. So, you know, there are different group packages that we would sell. Like, you know, I'm sure everybody does it. Baseball buddies where, you know, the kids run out on the field. I mean, Mm -hmm. we still have a baseball buddies, but it's not running out on the field, you know? Um, So there's different things that we've had to work around basically. And, um, you know, doing the best we can. Okay. 
so what's the best and worst promotions that you've been a part of in your career? Um, so one of the best promotions, I would say, the first couple of years I was here, we did uh, Zombie Apocalypse Night. Okay. In the first two years, I want to say that we did it. I mean, it was super popular. I mean, we did it on a Thirsty Thursday. You know, we had no, like, giveaway. I mean, a lot of minor league baseball, you know, the giveaways are the are king, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like this one because there was no giveaway tied to it, and it still brought people out. Okay. You know, I feel like it was in the height of, of the popularity for uh, The Walking Dead. Yeah. I personally didn't get into that show until the shutdown last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, but it was at, like, the height of the popularity. We had a couple people on staff who were big into the show. And, you know, they kind of spearheaded this night. We had makeup artists come in. And, I mean, we had zombies roaming the stadium, you know. That's cool. I mean, it was it was an awesome night. Everything looked great. You know, crowd, you know, large crowd. I don't remember what the attendance was off the top of my head. But, I mean, it, it's one of the better nights that we've had without having to give out, like, a bobblehead or something. You know? Right. Or without having a major league rehab, you know, mm-hmm, in-house. Sure. Um, so it's definitely, definitely one of the better promotions. Um, as far as worst promotions, you know, we've had some that tanked. Um, the one I like to bring up is Big Lebowski Night. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a cult classic, I guess you could say. Right. I was never a big fan of it. Um but we did a, a big Lebowski night and it, you know, if you know the movie, they drink a lot of white Russians. Yep. We gave out a white Russian glass, 66 years glass. And I mean, it, it tanked. <laughs> it takes so much that we had enough glasses left over that we did it again a second year saying, Oh, well, if we promote it, you know, way ahead. Sooner, yeah. That didn't work the second year either. Oh, uh, Okay. Interesting. Goodness, man. And I can really only imagine... But what's the craziest situation that's occurred during a game that you've had to assist with? Hmm. That's an interesting one. Um, You know, honestly, the craziest situation didn't actually occur during a game, but it occurred during an event that, um, that I was overseeing basically a, a facility rental. Okay. Um, basically, a lady went into labor with twins. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, and my, um, my, you know, guy on my, my quarter staff called me on the radio. And was like, hey, man, this lady's about to give birth. I was like, get an ambulance here as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was probably the craziest thing that, that's happened here. Um, as far as during the game... You know, I mean, that I've had to assist with, 
I mean, there was one year we had a, a bank of lights go out um, during the game, and the umpire kind of, like, stopped the game, like, what's going on? And I grabbed a ladder, and I went up there, and, you know, it looked like just a regular, um, you know, circuit that tripped. Okay. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to I'm just gonna try to flip this. What's the worst that's going to happen? <laughs> And, and my GM comes running over. He's like, do not touch that. Our our uh, electrician's on the way. He's like, ownership is here. If you electrocute yourself, we're in big trouble. Yeah. And I'm like, but it just looks like a breaker. He's like, no, 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 get down. He's coming. The electrician's coming. <laughs> and then when he showed up, I asked him, hey, what would happen if I if I flipped that? And he goes, oh, the lights really went on. I was like, wow. <laughs> Other duties as assigned, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. So it sounds like you don't have any crazy tarp stories. Maybe you did from Bowie. I don't know. Not really. I mean, nothing crazy aside from, like I said, my first experience. Seven tarp pulls in six days. I mean, that's probably the craziest I have. Mm. You know, other than that. Now, do you guys struggle with getting the amount of water, like, to take care of the field out there? No, I mean, we don't. I mean, probably the parking lot, but, yeah. um, you know, no, I mean, our grouch crew, he's he's great, you know, um, Dom Guerrero. He's, he won uh, Field of the Year in 19, and either 17 or 18, so I forget if it was two years in a row or if it was 17 and then 19, but, I mean, he does a great job. I mean, the field is his baby, you know, Um if he's got water in himself, he'll water it himself. You know? Yeah. Um, he takes care of that thing. Yeah, because you hear... I think somebody told me... I think it was my GM in Delmarva here. He used to work in Bakersfield. And they mm-hmm. had, like... You were only allowed to use so much water. Yeah. And, and like, the groundskeeper, like, was livid about it. Because he's like, how am I supposed to keep this field green right. with this there, little amount of water? Yeah. There is times, I know, like, depending on rain schedule, basically, like, there's been times where we're in a drought, where we've been limited, mm-hmm. um, but I think somehow the field is an exception. I don't really know the okay. whole rule on that, but because it's basically the main aspect being used at the stadium, it, it is, it has been an exception when okay. we've been put into these, like, uh you know, restrictions, regulations as far as water usage. Right. Okay. Very cool. We do have one listener question, um, and it's and it's from Glenn, and he's been a longtime listener. And so he, he asked, what advice do you have for a tourist coming to a game? Um, you know, places to hit nearby, such as, like, breweries restaurants that kind of stuff yeah definitely so you know our name inland empire the inland empire is huge um so we're actually in the city of san bernardino okay california um we border a city called redlands california Mm -hmm. and that's going to be your best bet to go (laughs) okay um i mean they just have um you know bars basically the nightlife down there is you know a lot better than san bernardino um 
but you know they have bars, Kludes, Darby's. Um, they're all on, you know, basically the the main street there, um, so you can go bar hopping. Um, brewery, we do have um, Hangar Twenty Four nearby. They're a big sponsor of ours as well. Okay. Uh, they're out in, I think they're I think it's still considered Redlands where they're at. Um, they kind of border uh, Redlands and Mentone. Um, you know, and then Riverside is right here as well. Riverside borders San Bernardino. Okay. They have a decent nightlife. Um, as far as the front office here, they all stick to Redlands. All right. And I say they because, like I said, I'm married with two kids. So. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. That'll do it. Glenn, Glenn also wanted to know about about the traffic, how to get how to get around that if there is. <laughs> no way to get around that all right he he (laughs) also he commented that he loves your guys' mascot oh bernie yeah yeah bernie's great he um he's been a staple in you know for us for for many years so fun funny story we actually so we're owned by the elmore sports group Mm -hmm. they own seven or eight minor league baseball teams they also own one hockey team Okay. So apparently our mascot Bernie, I mean this is before my time, he did one year for the hockey team and then I don't know, got traded to us. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know how that worked, but uh, but yeah, we acquired him from, from the hockey team. Nice. That's something you don't yeah. hear about every day. Right. Wow. Yeah. All right. So where can the listeners find you on social media, Sean? You know, I'm not a big social media guy. Yeah. I probably should be in this day and age, you know, in this business as well. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Facebook. I barely post on either of them. Um, follow me on Facebook. My wife posts and tags me, but <laughs> not a big social right. media guy. All right. Fair enough. So we always close out with the same question what has been your favorite walk-up or warm-up song in your minor league baseball career and whose was it um so honestly it wasn't even one of our guys um it was actually my first year out here i went to an angel game and it was actually mike trout's okay um it was um started from the bottom by drake and it just reminded me of it always reminded me of you know driving out here as an intern with little to nothing whatever I could fit in my car I actually slept in a Walmart parking lot on my way out here to save money on on a hotel Mm -hmm. and then um, you know when I came out here to start my career it kind of started pretty fast Um, my, my boss left and I got I got promoted to like interim manager after about a month. Wow. And so, so that song always stuck with me, you know, just cause I, I kind of did start from the bottom, you know, yeah. and work my way up. So yeah, that sounds oddly familiar. The, uh, <laughs> putting everything you own in your car and driving cross country. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That, I've done that a couple times too. So, yeah, wow, yep. Started from the bottom, now we're here. 
So, That's right. <laughs> all right, Sean. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your afternoon after a long homestand. Um, but I'm sure you wouldn't have it any other way without baseball for over a year. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, best of luck this season, and thank you so much for your time. And I really appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thanks, man. Started from the bottom, now we're here Started from the bottom, now my whole team here Started from the bottom, now we're here Started from the bottom, now the whole team here Started from the bottom, now we're here You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stove Leg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stove Leg Media. Igniting Conversation.